This episode is brought to you by Eero. Never think about Wi-Fi again. Get 100 bucks off the Eero base unit and two beacons package and one year of Eero Plus. Visit Eero.com. That's E-E-R-O.com slash G-O-G. And at checkout, enter coupon code G-O-G for $100 off. This episode is also brought to you by Hover. Go to Hover.com slash G-O-G to get 10% off your first purchase. Grumpy Old Geeks, a weekly talk show hosted by Brian Schulmeister and Jason DeFilippo, discussing the finer points of what went wrong on the internet and who's to blame. Welcome to Grumpy Old Geeks. I'm Jason DeFilippo. And I'm Brian Schulmeister. I am nice and caffeinated today and fairly grumpy, so this should be a good one. All right. (laughs) Fantastic. I'm going through my Canadian coffee still. Love that Ah. stuff. (laughs) <laughs> I am Cornholio. <laughs> We're both drinking Canadian coffee because every time I go to Toronto, I come back with three gigantic tins of Tim Hortons. Oh, <laughs> oh I got to say, man, I want to go back there <laughs> so bad. That was such a good breakfast. Oh, I know. The breakfast sandwich is the best. It really was. Puts, puts us Americans to shame. The Egg McMuffin, I just can't even eat them again anymore. No good. So sad. So sad. Thanks for ruining, you know, my one favorite breakfast for me. Preach. Anytime, man. A little follow-up. Game of Thrones cinematographer says the Battle of Winterfell looks so dark because I fucking said so. That's why. <laughs> and uh, he has every right to do that because he is the cinematographer. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he says what the cinematography was trying to achieve was to present a disorienting reaction of what a real-life battle is like. We tried to give the viewers and fans a cool episode to watch. Or not watch, as the case may be. What I mean, what I really want in my fantasy show with tits and dragons is the realistic fog of war. You know, (laughs) I tuned in just so I could feel the horde of undead breathing down on me in the dark because, you know, realism. I I just think this is all overblown. You did get scenes that were lit enough to see the horde of undead breathing down on you. You did get (laughs) scenes that had were full on battle insanity that were bright enough to see. It just it was interspersed with, you know, the whole like. Uh, all the war movies do it. Saving Private Ryan had entire sequences where all you saw were explosions. You had no idea where you were at or anything like that. Uh, shut up. Shut up, everybody. It's a goddamn TV show. <laughs> I know. But I mean, <laughs> get this a gets, life. These guys got he, this, I'm sure this poor guy got so much shit for this that he just had to come out and say, yeah, people. <laughs> he's, like, I, he's channeling Pee Wee Herman. I meant to do that. <laughs> I meant know? to do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> poor guy. I thought yeah. it was fine because I am an adult and I know how to set my TV properly. Yes, we do do that as well. So that mm-hmm. helps. I have a bit more follow up as well. Uh, we've been talking a bit about unionization, particularly in the tech industry and uh, software engineers at the prominent tech firm NPM Inc., which uh, makes the ubiquitous NPM, NPM JavaScript package repository, which I'm mm-hmm. so thankful I don't know too much about anymore because I'm done coding. Oh. Oh, man, you do, trust me, you don't want to know. Yeah. So anyways, uh, according to the Register, which is an English technology news site, three of the five people let go recently claim it was because they were trying to form a union. Four complaints have been filed against the company with the U.S. National Labor Relations Board. Three at the beginning of April and the fourth was filed last week. Um, the complaints cite some specific charges in legalese that uh, basically are often associated with Section 7 of America's National Labor Relations Act, which protects an employee's right to bargain. So what Wendy Muscle, a partner lawyer at Stuart and Muscles, told the register was these charges say to me that there are either some concerted activity to protect workers rights at a union drive was being considered or started. So, yeah, companies are pushing back. They're saying no unions. Yeah. And it's illegal. 
It's mm-hmm. unfortunately very hard to prove. Yeah. So these these firings. So we'll see how that goes. And I've got a little follow up on the Gimlet unionization effort. Apparently, they now have a union. All right. The Gimlet Union Twitter account has actually been really cool. I checked it out this morning just to double check. And they've been covering unions on other tech companies like pretty heavily, like BuzzFeed's trying to unionize and a couple other ones. And like anytime there's a union unionization effort, mm-hmm. they're covering it. And it's pretty cool. I got to say. So good job. Good job. People are finally fighting back. And it's kind of a beautiful thing. I agree. Unfortunately, late too late for us, <laughs> <laughs> too late for us and uh, probably too late for everyone, because I've got a bit of follow up as well. I started reading The Age of Surveillance Capitalism by Shoshana Zuboff, the book that you uh, tipped me off to last week. Uh huh. I've gotten. OK, it's a 700 page book, right? Uh huh. I got about 30 pages into it. I was depressed. I was uh-huh. angry. I was sad. If it would have been a physical book and not a $700 iPad, I probably would have thrown it across the room a few times. Uh-huh. Um, I highlighted absolutely everything. Then I realized, why am I highlighting things? Because I'm highlighting absolutely everything outside of the fact that it's everything that we've been saying, except she's doing it like, you know, in a studious, uh, educated manner. Yeah, and with- I'm with you. We are fucked. I'm only 30 pages into this book and we are so fucked. <laughs> We're going to be talking about that more once we get into the in the news. But uh, I told you, I told you that book is just like, that's why I went back to go buy the Kindle version after listening to the audio book. I'm like, I need to be able to highlight this stuff. But you're right. It's almost every single paragraph that there's something to highlight. Now, having said that, <laughs> I do want to, I just want to say for those of you that are listening that are, say, our age, that you're, you're Gen Xers, this book is I'm thinking this book is going to be our or this age's version of. Do you remember Naomi Klein's No Logo? No, I do not. Okay, that was that was the like Gen X singles grunge era. This book came out that was anti-capitalism and and how you know the the capitalist thing is destroying us and how we all have to have our logos and we're being taken over by Nike and big corporations. This is the tech version of that, and somehow we've all survived and we're still here. And I actually I talked to my mom this week because um, we're about. Uh, about a year ago now is is when things kind of really hit the downward spiral with my dad. We didn't know it at the time because we were just struggling to try to keep him good and as well and figure out everything that we could possibly do for him. But looking back on it now, the signs were obviously there that this was this was the downward spiral. And I've been talking to my mom a lot recently because we're kind of just dealing with the fact that it's actually been a whole year. And uh, she said something to me because I was talked to her a little bit about this book and and, and the things that uh, you and I talk about on the show a little bit and. And she said something to me that she's been saying to me my entire life, because my mom is is a very super kind of grounded person. And she just said, look, uh, you're not you can't change any of this. You can talk about it and that's a good thing. But this is completely and utterly out of your control. And the only thing that you can control about this is how you feel about it. So if you're going to let it drive you crazy, that's no way to live. And she's right. So as as angry as I got, <laughs> I calmed down a little bit. She's that one hell of a Buddhist, your mom. Yeah, there. she she kind of is. Uh, my mom's a pretty incredible woman. So every time I talk to her, I end up kind of going, eh, okay. She's like, life's not that bad. But, you know. Yeah, we're going to get into that in a little bit once we get to the news, because I have I have some thoughts on that as well. Okay. Uh, if you're only 30 pages in, wait till you get to the Google stuff. Oh, Jiminy Jeepers. <laughs> the news well we had the big f8 developer conference fate yep. fate fate 
Interesting that it spells out fate. <laughs> I always thought it was like F hate, but uh... Uh, and uh, we uh, we we're getting a new redesigned Facebook app and website. The new app was available as of this Tuesday to U.S. consumers and will come to the rest of the world in the first half of the year. The desktop version will roll out in the coming months. And as the Zuck points out, this is the biggest change to the Facebook app and website that has been made in the last five years. I have the new app. Okay, but you don't have the new website. Nobody has the new website. Nobody has right? the new website yet. The okay, app is rolled out for U.S. consumers. So so the redesigned app and website are putting a major focus on Facebook groups, which is uh, the Zuck's effort to kind of connect us individually again because, you know, it couldn't just roll back to the way it was originally, which did just that. Uh, and uh, he says Facebook groups are already being used by over 400 million people, and he believes that there is a community for everyone. Uh, there is also going to be a new gra- groups tab. Recommendations for new groups will pop up in your ads all the time, even though you don't want them and didn't ask for them. Uh, you will get more content from groups directly in your newsfeed, even though you don't want them and didn't ask for them. Uh, they will start adding new features to groups, including chat functionality for gaming groups, the ability to post without your name in self-help groups and way to flag potentially harmful groups. They are very focused on safety here, says the top. Oh, yeah. So we're also getting a redesigned user interface, uh, which involves completely ditching the color blue, except for the fact that the logo on the new app is blue. So I don't understand how they're getting rid of the color blue. Um, They've got a new icon, which includes animations. Uh, There's going to be a feature to discover new (laughs) friends, which we already have. So I guess they're just revamping it to be even creepier. There's additional features for Facebook's dating service, which is creepy. Uh, Shipping services for Facebook Marketplace and a new events tab, which is scheduled to launch this summer. Now, one thing I would like to point out, and I haven't read too much about this. I see that you have, and you're going to have a lot of comments about it in a second, is mm-hmm. uh, everybody kind of went, is just buying their line that face pushing to Facebook groups is better for us. What I see is an easier way to categorize us and build big data about us through related groups that we join. You know, well, here's the thing about that. <laughs> I do have a little bit to say about that. Statistics because- and big data, it just got super easier for them the more we use groups. Well, that's the thing, because they're trying to basically, I mean, there's a lot to to deconstruct here, and I'm just going to, we're going to do this in a in a lightning round fashion. Okay, <laughs> privacy is the big thing. They say we're going end-to-end encryption on everything, so they can't see what you're saying to your friends. They still can see who you're talking to, so you have that metadata right there. The thing about this is, is yes, they will be able to see your groups. You'll still, they'll be able to mine your posts in your groups. All of this privacy talk means absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing, because all of the data that they're still going to get, they're still going to do the same thing. They are basically profiling you and they are going to sell things to you and give their data to the advertisers. And nothing is going to change. And again, as we know, what as we understand and we've talked about on the show before, people can get a very accurate picture of you just by the people you interact with. You don't even need to give them any data. And if you keep joining groups, they're going to be able to dial in on you even better than if you just told them what you liked. Yes. And I mean, they've, they've already got your profile, you know, yep. it's not, this is nothing new and they don't even have to get a lot of data from you anymore. They can get it from your rewards cards. They can get it from your credit card purchase history. They can get it in so many different vectors that what you post to your newsfeed is trivial anymore. That is, you know, that is such a noisy signal. It doesn't matter to them anymore. Yep. And you know that your profile is already built. And we're going to talk about that in a second because it's going to be fucking fascinating here. And the whole point of this is it's it's lip service to try and say we're we're going for privacy. We're going for privacy. And we're taking away, you know, the news feed is going to go bye-bye. That's fine. That's a okay because the news feed is what makes everybody sad anyway. 
But this focus on groups is it's like, yes, let's put you in a bucket with a bunch <laughs> of other people and a bunch of other buckets. And then we can do data analysis on which buckets you like to stand in while you're yep. <laughs> peeing yourself because you, you're just cold and lonely because <laughs> these aren't real actual relationships with anybody. But yeah, the between groups and events, which are the two things that they're going to you know, highlight now in the new app, it's like, okay, who am I talking to? What am I doing? Yep. Right there. Those <laughs> signals alone are enough to profile you for just about everything because it's just the way that, you know, network systems work. It's like every node in the network says something about what no other nodes it's connected to. And it's, it, this is the same, it's the same stuff. It's actually the same stuff. So if you think that anything that came out of F8 is going to make your data more private, then you just don't <laughs> understand how Facebook works. No. So everything is, it, it, this is all the same stuff, but with a shiny new interface. <laughs> and less and, blue. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the new desktop apps for Messenger. No, I'm never going to use that, obviously. Well, we're coming up on the date soon when I can actually go check and see if they deleted my profile, which will be fun. Uh, but yeah, like none of this stuff is going to actually make your life any more private. There's still, you're still going to be, you know, just a cog in the, in the data machine and go read the book. If you want to know more about that. Right. There is one thing that I saw in Wired this week that I thought was interesting. It's, it's an article called Facebook is finding problems with artificial intelligence, too. Oh, really? So, yeah. So there are people inside Facebook who are making a pretty serious concerted effort to get their quote unquote AI ducks in a row. And by the way, I just want to point out whenever someone uses the term quote unquote AI, if they just put it in quotes, we wouldn't have anything to bitch about. I thought we gave up on this battle. I know. I was just, I, I read, <laughs> I thought about that this morning when I was writing this out. I'm like, oh, if they just put AI in quotes, it's all good. Or, or <laughs> they could just say machine learning, which is what it is. Yeah. So in this article, it's interesting because what they're going for is a 90% accuracy rate with their facial recognition. That's and no good. Well, I'm sure so glad that the people there don't work for the FAA because if 10% of the planes fell out of the sky, who would fly, you know, <laughs> but we're allowing that level of error into facial recognition that can and will be used in the future to profile people for criminal offenses. So it is quote, already. Jim, That's yes. the thing. That's the problem is it is already. It's not ready for prime time. Yes. We're, we're still in the learning and testing phases. I don't understand. I Okay. I get in the beginning of like. Coding in the beginning <laughs> and pro in the beginning of technology and coding and programming back when we were putting out websites and blah 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 we would throw things out there that weren't quite done yet because we needed to figure out how they would break and the ways that they would break and, and Brian, but it also I, I, I wait 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 are you saying that we moved fast and broke things we did sometimes <laughs> but we weren't dealing with important stuff we mm -hmm. were dealing with the fucking movie Muppets releases and, or, yeah, exactly. or the Stone Temple Pilots website. We weren't even collecting emails back then. Are you so, saying that our work on Barbie was not seminal and, and you know, defined I, a generation? I think we were far better with our Hot Wheels website than we were with the Barbie one. Oh, I was gone before Hot Wheels. <laughs> we learned a few things from that travesty of the Barbie site. Yeah. But not enough. <laughs> but but that was my point. That was kind of OK. The problem is we've never moved away from that mindset. We are at the point now where these things matter and they matter mm -hmm. a lot because they are being used in legal things, uh, everything, uh, financial things. You shouldn't be releasing things that are version 0 0.05. You need mm -hmm. your version one that's been tested. That's what you put out into the wild. 
but that seems <laughs> to, nobody four. seems to version <laughs> four most likely yes so it seems crazy to me that that we're just kind of running with that mindset for things that really matter yeah the web has grown up a lot since we started you know mm-hmm. so that's that's kind of it but uh, to quote jim jeffries i think we can all do better than 90 percent. <laughs> this is just for people talking to people on portal right. well what about those times when those portal files are subpoenaed i know you're yeah. saying end-to-end encryption all the way through but uh i like to look at history <laughs> i'm just saying <laughs> oh we are snapchat we delete oh, everything except except we, we don't didn't. yeah <laughs> yeah anyway so it's it's nice to see that there are some people inside of facebook that care and of course you know it's the people who are disenfranchised by the the bias in AI who are stepping up and actually taking care of this. It's a black woman inside of inside of Facebook. She's like, I'm sitting there talking to my friend on portal and there's a white dude next to me. It recognized him, but I was the one talking and it didn't recognize me. And she's just like, okay, well let's, let's bump this up. The ladder must've had that games, of Thrones filter on and it was just too dark. It was just too dark. (laughs) I think we need to modify our saying uh, from, it should now be all of this has happened before poorly and it will all happen again poorly poorly (laughs) yeah (laughs) so i want to roll into this one here because this this is one of the things that is going to kind of make most people's head explode Mm -hmm. tristan harris he's Mm -hmm. a formal google design ethicist we've talked about him on the show before he's an incredibly intelligent guy and he's like no and, and thank God he said this. Your phone isn't listening to you. No. What's happening now is that inside of Google and all these other companies, they have what they call a voodoo doll representation of you. They have little versions of us sandboxed. Yes. And what they do on those is they use, quote unquote, AI mm-hmm. <laughs> and machine learning to run different versions of yourself and decision matrices to figure out what you're going to do next. And this is, I mean, this blew my mind. I, I mean, it, it really is kind of insane that they have these profiles built of you. And what they're doing is they're running these prediction algorithms on what you're going to do next. And as you do other things and they get more signals into the voodoo doll, they can see how their algorithms are learning. And then they can tweak the algorithms. Basically, we're never going to have to download ourselves into our computer. Google will just own a future version of us that becomes sentient. You 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 jump the you jump the gun on me on that no, one. Sorry. But yes, that's true. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I'm like, okay, well, we, you know, we're going to be able to open our phone and it's just going to tell us what we want to do today because it already <laughs> knows what we're going to want to do today. Right. And then if if Google's drones can just show up with the breakfast that it knows I already want, so when I when I walk out of my bedroom and it hands me a hot plate of the exact thing that I was thinking of it while I was staying in bed. Tim Hortons breakfast sandwich. Yep. Just give me those super, give me those supersonic drones from Canada and then you can go from there. And I'm thinking to myself, how do you fight this? And do you then just start putting lots of noise into the stream yeah. and start searching for random things? Start like, you know, changing your behavior to throw the algorithms off. But these algorithms are so smart. They're going to say, okay, well, what you just did was like 0.5% out of baseline. So we can ignore that signal and know that you're just fucking with us. And then if they knows you're fucking with them, then can it like label you as an enemy combatant to the algorithm and then start treating you differently from there? There There's so many ways that you can 
your your brain will hurt. My brain hurt last night. I was up for three hours thinking about this exact thing. Look, and to be honest, resistance is futile. It, it really is. I don't think that you can fight this because like you said, the, the algorithm will learn when you're messing with it because it gets all the data from other vector points that you can't really, unless you're stupid, you can't really screw up because you're not going to start buying real things in the real world just to mess with an algorithm. Exactly. They're, they're going to be pulling in that data. They're going to see all the things that you buy, whether you buy it through Google or anywhere else, because they're licensing your data from other vectors. Mm -hmm. So there's there's no way to fight this. We're creatures of habit. We're, not, we're, we're <laughs> People are too damn lazy to care. They're too <laughs> lazy to care. And as, as you get farther into the book, you'll learn more about how they manipulate the, the outrage cycle and the outrage machine to get things through that we originally go, are you kidding me? We don't want that. Yeah, maybe. Okay. Uh, fine. It's normal now. You know, it, it all becomes normalized. It all becomes normalized. And I went through and kept reading about this, the story where he's talking about the voodoo dolls. And it came back to a town hall at the Milken Institute. And I watched it last. It's an hour long talk with some extremely smart guys. And one of the things that Tristan, Tristan was talking about was, so, and this is the, the law of unintended consequences that we've talked about in the, like, you know, was it two months ago now that we really started mm -hmm. to harp on? It is kind of insane because he calls this the conspiracy correlation matrix. <laughs> Let's say a housewife signs up for Facebook and she signs up for a group. Well, now the algorithm is saying we want engagement. So we look at the engagement for housewives and we think, okay, what groups would she be a good fit in that would promote engagement? Mm -hmm. Well, wouldn't that possibly the anti-vaccination groups because she cares about her children and then she goes into the anti-vaxxer group. And or she's promoted to it. It's like, you know, given up. And if she's if she signs up for the anti-vaxxer group, well, then she goes down the conspiracy group wormhole. And they call that he called it the conspiracy correlation matrix, because once you even dip your toe in the water, then you start to get all of these different conspiracy theory groups because that promotes engagement. And once once it is tuned for engagement and not for value. Things can definitely go sideways, and that's what we've been seeing. Well, just no, you don't have to look any further than the journalist industry. News. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, that's what's happened to news over the past 10 years. That's why it's crap now. Mm. That's why we're always shocked when there's good reporting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, how many times have we said, wait, BuzzFeed does good news? Yeah. What? <laughs> and they're unionizing. Good for them. <laughs> so... This this there's a set of articles here that I recommend everybody go check out. And especially if you've got the time, uh, the nice thing about YouTube now, while they're profiling you and doing all this stuff, you can at least watch the videos at one point five X. So I watched the town hall meeting at, at one point five. But there were a couple other things that came out of there that was that was really interesting. One of the guys said, we need a Hippocratic oath for engineers. Do no yep. harm. Yep. You know, if we had something like that, maybe people would actually take it more seriously instead of saying, how can we make more money? How about don't fuck everybody up in the process, <laughs> you know, because all of this stuff, it's all just so fine tuned to manipulate people for wait for it money. Yep. And that's all it really is. It's And it goes back to shareholder value. They even bring up in the talk what we've been saying forever. It You can't get rid of 60 million bots. Because the shareholders are going to, like, you know, shit a brick. Yeah. All of a sudden, you've lost 60 million users? 
Yeah. <laughs> and they also talk about artificial polarization, which is another engagement metric that makes people want to talk more. And there was another another bit in there that I thought was just fascinating that I think you'll you'll dig this one. It's like, OK, I'm a, I'm a dick. I go on and I bully somebody. Normally in human interaction, if I'm standing in front of you and I say something shitty to you, I'm going to get an emotional reaction from you. Mm -hmm. On the internet, what you get is a bunch of people that agree with your opinion, liking you, retweeting you, giving you pats on the back. So your brain equates what the shitty thing that you just did is actually being good. Yeah. And that's how the cycle keeps repeating. Over and over again. And was that's, that a hypothetical you know, or did you really do that? I did not do that. I okay, just, I'm just I, they talked about it in the thing, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's a really interesting concept. And that's why that's, <clears throat> I love, I love Tristan Harris. This guy is yeah. super smart. And it was funny because there were like, there was supposed to be a panel of five people in that video and two people quit because they had a guy from uh, Nantech on there, you know, the Pokemon Go people. And they yeah. were like, oh, we don't want to be on a panel with him because he's a, you know, He's from Alphabet and he's part of the problem, not the solution. And the guy who was running the panel was just like, I'm not going to out them, but they were just on stage a few minutes ago. <laughs> and uh, he's like, that's not how you actually get smarter and get better and become. Better no, people. you have to engage in the discussions. Exactly. So but all in all, it was really cool. And I've been going through these Milken Institute videos, highly recommended stuff. I really like digging into the more the smarter side of things instead of just sitting here saying the f-bomb a lot and yelling a lot but these guys yes, are but that really, takes so much more time <laughs> it does but here's the point that I, you came to before we can't change anything nope so what do you do do you just give up and say okay well here it is here's my data you're going to take it anyway and not worry about it or are there things that you can do to change it and most people are going to say fuck it i don't care I can't change it. So what am I going to do? But I think learning about it and being able to talk about it in a educated way is good for everybody. So right. I'm just why I'm really going down the rabbit hole on this stuff now, because we've just been screaming at the sky. Nobody's been paying attention. That's fine. That's fine. But at least I want to be able to maybe just think about it on a deeper level. And this week or the past two weeks between that book and all the stuff that we've talked about and just the more things that keep coming out. It's just really, it's really getting deep into me that I really want to know as much as I possibly can, but behind the science too, of what they're doing to us and how to either defend against it or just see when it's happening and say, okay, well, you know what? That was actually a really good recommendation. I do need new shoelaces. <laughs> well, in keeping with that theme, I found a really great article over on what used to be recode, but has now been bought by Vox. So it's Vox what? recode. I don't even know. What happened? Oh, yeah. Vox I did not know this Recode happened. now. So if you try to go to Recode, you go to Vox.com slash Recode, and they've done a redesign, of course. Oh, well, <laughs> hey, you know what? Good for them for checking out. They probably got a good paycheck. Yeah, good for them, I guess. Yeah, I'm, you uh, know, but, Walt, Walt needs his, uh, he needs his little CPAP machine and his oxygen tank to roll around, so good for him. So here's another big deep dive that uh, I think you will enjoy. I actually didn't even get to finish this article because it's quite long, but it is a new book that I will be wanting to read after I finish this current one that's making me angry called Bored, Lonely, Angry, and Stupid. And uh, this book is about most people assume social media is making us more narcissistic, more compulsive and lonelier. But is it really true? And here's how they want it. Oh, go ahead. You're dying to say something. I can hear it. I, am. I mean, that's that's the title of my autobiography. They stole it. <laughs> <laughs> he stole my autobiography title. Damn it. 
what the authors wanted to find in this particular thing is, is were we always this way or as social media and technology made us worse? And they did this by examining diaries, letters, memoirs of a broad cross section of Americans from the 19th and 20th centuries, trying to capture their inner lives as closely as possible. They then conducted interviews with modern day Americans in order to understand how their emotions are being transformed by technological change. Absolutely fascinating stuff. I'm dying to read this book. So there's just a bit, a couple bits in the article because I didn't get to finish it, but I think you did. So you have some other points. Um, But the idea was to see how our views of boredom, loneliness, selfhood and community have evolved over time and how technologies have sparked those evolutions. And what they found was striking. We don't merely develop new devices for expressing our emotions. Our devices usually alter what emotions we express. Things like boredom didn't even exist until the 19th century. When people experienced empty moments, they described them as dull or monotonous or tedious. There was no boredom. Yeah, crazy. People expected feelings of empty time and accepted them as part and parcel of being human. And the same is true for lonesomeness. Like, we we just accepted it. It was part of being human, so we didn't even think about it as a massively negative thing. But of course, now that we live in a 24-7, always on, something's always at your fingertips, we're lonely. One of the, the things that they talk about in the article, too, is it's like, it wasn't loneliness before. It was called solitude. Yeah. So and it was the language has changed. Yeah, the language <laughs> has changed. So the thoughts about what things are have changed. It's a, I mean, it's a fantastic article, and I, I got like three quarters of the way through it, and I definitely am going to read this book. Me too. My favorite quote in the article, though, is, being still with yourself can give access to all sorts of ideas and musings that wouldn't otherwise occur. So perhaps in our quest to end boredom, our creativity is being stunted, and we're actually becoming more boring. It's a complete negative feedback loop. You know who I feel the most bad for, given all this change? Superman. I know, I know. He used to hang out in a fortress of solitude, but now he's <laughs> yeah. in a fortress of loneliness. Sitting there checking Snapchat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So Facebook is building a cryptocurrency-based payment system. Oh, yay. Yep. So they want to create a stable coin, which is a currency-backed cryptocurrency. And, right. of course, in my mind, I'm like, why don't we just use currency or we just use currency <laughs> already there isn't it guys you know why facebook is doing this actually I, I i actually totally honestly understand why they're doing this but they're doing this because they've been trying to get people to give them real currency for 10 years now and none of us will so they're hoping that this stable coin this new form of currency will sucker people into giving them money yes yes that's that's a lot of it for sure you know you put in your 20 bucks into you know face coin and then over time that twenty dollars will get eroded down to nothing obviously because you buy you buy things but the transaction fees will you know take it away and psychologically you don't treat it like it's real money exactly exactly the gamification of cash Mm -hmm. and the interesting thing is they're in talks with payment networks like visa mastercard and uh, processors like first data and the thing about this get i'm just like why are they in talks with these guys because the entire object of this is to eat Visa and MasterCard's lunch. It's right. like, okay, those guys take 2 to 3% per transaction. If Facebook can come in and say, oh, we only take 1.5%, and that's coming out of your face coin, then it's like <laughs> almost like no real money has changed hands. Right. So I see a giant pushback from Visa and MasterCard. They're like, we're not going to play with you. No. <laughs> but no, here's our own version of a stable coin. <laughs> yeah. Visa coin, MasterCoin, mm-hmm. all that stuff. But I, those payment processors, definitely, if they're smart, they're going to look at the recent history of how Facebook has treated every single market that was its friend until it didn't need them anymore and pulled a rug out from under them. 
I'm looking yep. at you, every news magazine on the planet, every small <laughs> business on the planet, every artist and musician on the planet. Exactly. Put your stuff on Facebook. Everybody will see Put it. Put it up here. Everybody will see it. Oh, you have to pay us now if you want anyone to see anything. And soon you'll be able to pay in Facecoin. And also, they they were also talking about how if you click on ads, you might be able to, like, you know, get a sliver of Facecoin. Make some money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There has to be some law against that. It's like, okay, over here, Joe is paying me to show his ads. Over here, I'm showing the ads to you, who is now going to get a kickback for clicking on the ads that Joe paid me for. I, I, I mean, I am not an economist. I'm not a lawyer. But that, to me, sounds really fucking illegal. Well, I mean, it's basically what we were all doing with uh, the dipping your beak into Amazon and doing the Amazon links, right? And that got beat down quite a lot. Part of cryptocurrency is, of course, the blockchain. Of course. Amazon has uh, released their managed blockchain into uh, the general public now. So you can now (laughs) go set up. Is it, is, it like their, is it like their typical web services in which that if you don't happen to click off on the button that says secure this blockchain, it'll be completely unsecured? I fucking hope so. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> oh, man, because we're running out of S3 buckets to go around and just troll. Let's just troll everybody's open blockchain. Oh, you forgot to click the secure blockchain button. They say that you're going to be able to use Ethereum or Hyperledger for these, mm-hmm. but uh, apparently Ethereum is not supported yet. You have to check back later for that one. Right. But I'm like... Okay, now, quick thought experiment here. Isn't the whole point of a blockchain is that it's distributed mm-hmm. and that it, it, multiple points of you know failure? So if everybody's got a copy of it, you know, node A can reconcile with node B and C and D to actually make a transaction happen, right? That is like the genius of the blockchain is that it's distributed across multiple systems. So let's take this beautiful distributed system and then put it on a single provider administered by a single owner, which is Amazon. Okay, Jason, um, doing a distributed ledger system, that's hard. And if we want to say we're doing blockchain with our hamburger stand, because mm-hmm. that's how we'll get people to invest in us, it's much easier just to open up an Amazon bucket, a blockchain. It really is a bucket, a block bucket. <laughs> yep. Uh, so I just thought that was ironic, is all I'm mm-hmm. saying. And in final Amazon news for me, I got a notice on my phone from my Ford app that I use to start my car in the morning to warm up the seats before I go mm-hmm. out and have to go get my latte that now I can let people get into my car when I'm not even there to put my Amazon packages in it. That's right. Amazon key is now available for my new Explorer. They also key your car. Yeah, they key right there yeah so i can you know instead of just let letting the packages sit on the doorstep now i can put them in my fifty thousand dollar car so somebody can come by and break my windows and steal my packages yes great that's progress that's such progress i love it yeah Uh, good times uh my last bit of news tumblr Mm. remember remember tumblr porn blur (laughs) yes porn blur Tumblr's on the block since Verizon stepped on their own dicks and removed all the good stuff. Remember that? I, the the Pornamageddon? Porn, yep. <laughs> well, the monsters at Pornhub are considering buying the site, which is not a good thing. It's uh, Pornhub's parent company, MindGeek. Have you ever heard of MindGeek? I believe you've mentioned them a few times, yes. Yes, they are an exploitative shitfest. 
and they're single-handedly and in a very quixotic fashion ruining the entire industry that make their they make their bread and butter from mm-hmm. they butter the bread on both sides you know mm-hmm. i think of them as porn trust because <laughs> it's it, it is all copyright infringement yes it uh is. Yeah, they they allow the wholesale copyright infringement of any and all adult movies that you can post for free. And when they're slapped with a takedown notice, you can post them back up in a few days. You know, it's not like YouTube where they actually have filters and things like that and an entire billion dollar system. They're just like, I post it again. Okay, we'll wait for another takedown notice, which most people can't even afford to do because it costs money to send the takedown notices. Right. So this company, uh, MindGeek, they even bought a bunch of porn studios now. So they're making the movies that are then getting pirated, posted to Pornhub and all their different websites, <laughs> and then they don't have to pay royalties to the the people who were in the movies. It's genius. Smart. It's evil genius. Evil genius. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, to their credit, they are at least keeping the sleaze in porn at, at an internet scale. They are internet scale sleazy, which is crazy. So I just want to say, every time you spank your monkey or slam your clam to anything on Pornhub or any of their gazillion sites, just a little bit of you should die inside because that MILF you just creamed for all over your keyboard, she can't afford to buy pizza. And I know those guys all love pizza porn. So I'd like I'm to just thank saying. Jason for illustrating why we don't talk about porn. on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I had some solitude this weekend, so I actually <laughs> was able to be creative with my replies. Mm, sure. That was loneliness. <laughs> This episode is brought to you in part by Hover. Look, you need your own domain name. If not for your business, then just for your family. You're just way cooler if you can drop an email address with a custom domain name. Me at somethingcool.com just always resonates. And Hover.com slash GOG is the single best place to buy your domain name. If you've ever had to buy a domain from any other registrar, you know how difficult it can be. They've got terrible user interfaces and just a constant barrage of upsells make it almost impossible even just to find out where to buy a domain. Hover has an incredibly clean and intuitive user interface without all the insane upsells. And they also have free who is privacy on supported domains that you usually have to pay for at other sites just to keep your private details private, not with Hover. And the more domains you own, the less you pay for renewals. The savings start at just 10 domains and they go up from there. I currently have about 75, 80 domains with Hover, so I get a nice juicy discount every time one comes up for renewal. And every month, they have great sales on awesome top-level domains. Right now, you can get .club, .design, .online, .site, .space, .store, and .website for just $4.99 each. And these prices do change often, so make sure you check their on-sale page when shopping for your domain so you can get the best deal for the best domain possible. And they've got over 400 domain name extensions to choose from, including all the classics and fun niche extensions. The days of having to spend a fortune on .com domains is completely over. My main domains all have new extensions because it's just the new normal. It also lets you get something more aligned with who you are as a company, individual, or family. So get started today. Go to Hover.com GOG and get 10% off your first purchase. That's Hover.com GOG to get your awesome domain today and get 10% off your first purchase. This episode is also sponsored by Eero. Eero is a home Wi-Fi system like nothing you've ever seen. The single router model just doesn't work for our increasingly high bandwidth world, and it's simple physics, like light waves. Wi-Fi doesn't go through walls very well at all. Imagine asking a light bulb in your living room to light your master bedroom, yet so many people just get the crappy Wi-Fi from their ISP. What you need is a distributed system. This is what offices have had for years at considerable work and expense. 
I've got this set up in my house right now, and it is fantastic. I've got a bunch of Eero beacons and one base station that is well over 100 feet away from where I'm standing right now, and I get fantastic signal. And current Wi-Fi routers are really tough to manage and optimize. The Eero app lets you manage your network from the palm of your hand, so you'll know how many devices are connected at any given point, as well as the internet speed that you're getting from your service provider. You can also easily create and share a guest network. And Eero is protected with state-of-the-art WPA2 encryption, and because it controls the hardware and the software for your entire network, it ensures that you're always secure. Since traditional routers don't push software updates to their customers, they're left vulnerable to cyber attacks. Eero updates automatically, so you not only have the latest features, but the latest security at all times. And now they've got Eero Plus, which is designed to provide simple, reliable security that defends all your home's devices against threats like malware, spyware, phishing attacks, as well as unsuitable content. The combination of Eero with Eero Plus provides complete protection for your network. And I get my automated report every week, and it's astounding how much Eero Plus blocks from even getting in the door to my computers. And with your Eero Plus subscription, you get a bunch of goodies, including VPN protection from Encrypt.me, password management from 1Password, and antivirus software from Malwarebytes. So never think about Wi-Fi again. Get $100 off the Eero base unit and two beacons package in one year of Eero Plus. Visit eero.com slash GOG and at checkout, enter code GOG. That's E-E-R-O dot com slash GOG. And at checkout, enter code GOG for that $100 off. And never worry about Wi-Fi again. Security? Ha! We're back this week with raccoon hunter Dave Bittner from the CyberWire podcast. The CyberWire is a free community-driven cybersecurity news service based in Maryland, home of many, many coons. Dave is also the co-host of the Hacking Humans podcast, along with Joe Kerrigan, where they take on social engineering and taxidermy. Yeah, that's right. Well, we're hoping to hear it's home of a few less raccoons now. Well, my home has fewer <laughs> raccoons than it did a week ago. So excellent. Uh, mm-hmm, yeah, eviction fluid for the win. Uh, <laughs> now, do they clean up this eviction fluid once they're done, or is that left for you to deal with? They well, they don't. Um, <laughs> so Trapper Brad came over, and uh, he was the guy who. Um, I don't know. It was spent some time up in my bedroom with my wife uh, (laughs) (laughs) because that is where there is a hatch to sort of get to the the pipes for we have a shower. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So there's a hatch that gets to the pipes. Then that allows you to have access underneath the floor. So that was and, and the raccoons were right underneath of that spot in the crawl space in between the first and second floor. So they were able to drill a little hole and spritz some eviction fluid in there. And sure enough, a couple hours later, my wife was sitting in our family room and she heard one at a time, Mama Raccoon dragging baby raccoons <laughs> out of the house <laughs> across the ceiling with little baby raccoons chirping. And um, <laughs> she said, evidently, the last of the baby raccoons was not at all happy to be left alone <laughs> while mama was dragging everyone else out. Like, you know, oh, are you coming back for me? What about me? <laughs> right, right. And so uh, mama raccoon came back and got rid of the last baby. And we haven't heard from them since. So they put some um, they put some tape around the opening of the hole where they were coming in and out of the house and they see if there's fur on that tape to see if they're coming still coming and going right. Right. and um, if once they're convinced that they're gone for good then they they close up the hole just to make sure that we don't end up with them trapped in the 
ceiling or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, you don't so, want the raccoon version of Home Alone with the one baby left inside. And then <laughs> right, right, you know. right, right. So uh, seems like we're out of the woods. Who knows? Um, we'll see. the The eviction fluid. I, I haven't smelled anything. I haven't. Uh, maybe it's just something that's stinky to raccoons. I don't know. Right, but. Uh, I, I'm I'm happy that there was no cutting of drywall. There were no holes in ceilings. There's nothing to be painted or patched or anything like that. Um, Costs I'm kept out, to a minimum. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm out several hundred dollars, but <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> that's that's the joys of homeownership, right? Oh yes, oh uh, yes. <laughs> so uh, all's well that ends well. So far, this is my first run in with raccoons, and hopefully, it is my last. But. Um, you know, Trapper Trapper Brad uh, seems to have done the job and um, has left my wife with a smile on her face. I was going to say, if, if, <laughs> if the raccoons come back, you know, check your wife's credit card statement because she might be going down to Coons R Us and grabbing right. some fresh right. ones. Exactly, <laughs> exactly, right, right. She's just got a little, uh, she's got a little, uh, a little, um, uh, what do you call, a little Bluetooth uh, speaker that she's tucked up in the wall there, and she's playing raccoon sounds. Oh, yeah, you need to, ra- the you might need to find back. some eviction fluid for Trapper Brad. <laughs> right, exactly. <Yeah. laughs> the raccoons are back. Guess I'm going to have to call Trapper Brad. <laughs> Yeah. So, all right. There we go. <laughs> all right. Well, let's go talk about Google. Uh, Google <laughs> users will soon have the option to automatically delete their location and web browsing histories, a privacy enhancing feature to remove data about the places they've been to, the websites they visit, and the apps they use. Now, you already have the option to turn off location history and web and app activity, as I'm sure all three of us have done. Mm-hmm. And you can also manually delete data that's generated from searches and other Google services. But this new feature will do it automatically on a regular schedule offering a middle ground between Google permanently having the data and users having to delete it themselves. Obviously, this is being rolled out in a means to attempt to convince the three of us and the other people like us (laughs) to not choose to shut down all tracking because, hey, look, we're only going to keep it for a little while and then delete it. Mm -hmm. Now, here's here's the big question with this, because and this is why they can let it go, because we talked about the voodoo dolling of our personas. Now, they have they're going to get rid of the tracking data so you can't see it anymore and the web history data but the profile that they build you for you is that still going to have like you know oh the places that you've driven by like oh he drives by el pollo loco every day so we're going to give him some chicken ads does well, we that get stuff back, go away we get back to the question that we always ask on this segment what does delete mean mm-hmm. yes that's what yeah. i'm asking mm-hmm. do you guys think that the profile they're building around you you know, is that going to be affected by deleting this data or do they abstract it enough into your voodoo doll persona to then make this useless? And that's why they can get rid of it now without any adverse effects. I think it's probably that one. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's okay. a answer to that question. Yeah. Next. I have a couple, I have a couple questions about this. Um, I guess it's, they keep the data for three months. So it's a rolling three month window. Three on or your 18. Data. You can do three or 18. Those are right. the two options. Right. But let's say I opt for, th- I think if anybody's going to opt in, they're probably going to opt in for three because yeah. why, why would you choose the 18 option? Well, because Who- plenty of people are choosing not to turn it off at all. So yeah. I don't think they care. <laughs> Maybe the eight. Yeah. So is it, is it that every three months everything gets wiped out or is it a rolling thing where things are only kept for three months, three months after any bit of data? I'd is imagine it's generated. probably rolling. Yeah, yeah, it's a simple, it's it's a simple cron, cron tab. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, there was an interesting thing in the last paragraph of one of the articles we linked to. Uh, the Google folks said, when you delete data, we follow a deletion policy to make sure your data is safely and completely removed from our servers or retained only in anonymized form. Oh, complete deletion. Gotcha. Yeah. Complete deletion of data from our servers generally takes about uh, generally takes around two months from the time of deletion, often includes up to a month long recovery period in case the data was removed unintentionally. Google also uses encrypted backup storage to help recover from potential disasters, and data can remain on those systems for up to six months. So it's not really deleted. <laughs> yeah, right? pretty much. I mean, it's it's not a, deleted. No, there's a big old honking asterisk right there. Yeah. <laughs> it's, so, yeah. yeah. It's so ridiculous because it's not even an asterisk. It's just it's not deleted. <laughs> Delete mm-hmm. no longer has any meaning for these people. Yeah. Well, six months down the line, maybe if they, maybe. If they are okay, true to their word, uh, look, if you're lucky. <laughs> if I have opted into delete in three months, that is my choice. It is the choice I have opted into. I am not accidentally deleting any of that data, so you don't need to keep it in case you feel I accidentally deleted it because I've opted in to say I want it deleted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is all lies. Okay. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. Well, and we'll get to... Uh, this shit just so, makes my brain hurt sometimes. Like, yeah. language no longer has any meaning. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll get to that in, in a couple minutes when we talk about Facebook. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk about uh, the Internet of Things for a second. And I found this one over on Medium. And it's America's favorite door-locking app has data privacy problems. Well, Latch. Has anybody ever heard of Latch? I have not, but apparently it's America's favorite door locking app. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I think I've heard uh, of it. Okay, well, yeah, a lot of people are using it for their apartment buildings. Mm-hmm. And the problem is that their data privacy policies say that, oh, well, we can share your your data with people who own the locks, which would be the landlords. Right. And, right. you know, then they can they can do whatever they want to with the data. I don't see it as a big deal. Because any decent apartment building is going to have video cameras so they can see when you come and go anyway. But people were up in arms about this. They're like, oh, my smart lock is watching where I go. Well, it kind of needs to to let you in the door. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But, uh, do you guys this... see this any different? I, I, I'm trying to pull out the, the tempest in the teapots when mm-hmm. I see these things. And I think mm-hmm. this might be one of them because it's like, okay, yeah, you can't opt out of it if you live in a building that uses these locks. But. Well, What's you can by living in a different building. Well, yeah, that's the only way to opt out is to find a new building unless you live in the building and then they install it after you've moved in. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, you know, then you have to go and sue them on Judge Judy and, you know, try and get some <laughs> money back. But mm-hmm. for relocation. But it, for the most part, I don't really see this as a as a real thing. Well, I was trying to puzzle through it myself and. My first thought was anyone who's lived in a rental unit knows that the folks who run the rental unit have a key to your apartment. They have a key. Yes. So, so I don't see any difference. They there. can come and go. I suppose there uh, they are have to rules. give you 24 hours notice before they? they can come into your place. Yes. Okay. The it's only thing so that I. Yeah. Okay. Go why ahead. don't we apply that same law to this? Same thing. Well, well it's, it's not that they can come into your into your apartment. It's the fact that they have a record of what your comings and goings. Yeah, And I can see one use case for uh, the building 
to track the comings and goings of the renter. And that's if you are illegally using your apartment as OSA Airbnb. Airbnb. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's ah. it. That was well, the only use case I could find. Yeah. To me, the difference here is kind of like the difference between having security cameras in a building and having security cameras with facial recognition. Yeah. Right. We're taking it up a notch. That's where, true. Yeah. Yeah. So, and they say some of these locks have cameras built into them. So it can grab, when you go to unlock the lock, it can grab a little clip of video of you coming and going, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Especially if you're bringing your mistress home on the, the lunch hour and the landlord knows you're married and then, oh, here comes blackmail. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, maybe you... two use cases. <laughs> <I see now. laughs> Let's um, keep going. Maybe we can get three or four. You got your kids coming and going, knowing if your kids are home mm-hmm. alone, things like yeah. that. Or the just mm-hmm. even just being able to build out schedules of everybody in your household. Uh, there's, there's no reason for this stuff. I, I don't. I, I don't ever understand it. This always makes me think of those. It, you know, being up late at night, far too late at night, and the the quality, shall we say, of commercials goes down a little bit, and you start to get the the infomercials about you know making spaghetti is just too damn hard. So you need to buy <laughs> this device that makes making spaghetti less hard. Like I have one of those even pots. in this article, <laughs> they don't work and they're stupid. And it says even in this article, who wants to fiddle with a metal key? It's not that hard, people. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah, and I guess I mean the what's the what's in it for the landlords? Yeah, uh, that was the other is. thing I was thinking as well. Is I've not, uh, I, I am no longer a renter, and I haven't been a renter for quite some time. But in the days when I did rent, I did not really remember my landlords ever wanting wanting to spend a dime if they could avoid it. So I don't yeah. see landlords <laughs> going out and buying these expensive systems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what if, and you know, what if you lose your phone? What if your phone gets jacked? How are yep. you going to get home? You yeah, got your I keys. Just, uh... They didn't steal your keys. They stole your phone. Because your keys are, aren't worth a tinker's cuss, but your phone is definitely worth a couple grand. There are thief. some good conveniences that have come from the Internet of Things, but I would never use anything that was the Internet of Things for something important, such as my main lock on my house. At least yeah. not yet. Not with everything that we know about uh, the lack of, of ethics and <laughs> and privacy and security on all these things. And, and who has control of it and where the data is going. We're just not there. I, I would yeah. never trust any of these things. I suppose it saves them the cost of having to rekey doors anytime someone moves in or out or you're worrying that someone took a key with them or made a copy of a key or. But that would assume then that the landlord is good at uh, tech. Now he's got to get an IT person to Mm -hmm. redo these things every time. And Mm -hmm. we've talked about this on the show. If you buy a car and you pair the app to the car and you sell the car. Yeah. What's the depairing mechanism here? (laughs) Exactly. I mean, if, if you're if people cannot decouple a car like a BMW, a sixty thousand dollar BMW from your app. What are they? You think they're going to go through the rigmarole of trying to do this with a, an apartment? Mm-hmm. I have. Yeah, and how do you the- prove it? Okay, say you decouple your phone. Like, say you have to go into to your landlord and decouple your phone from the thing, and then you just leave, and then you reinstall a backup from your phone from a month and a half ago that still has you coupled. Well, I mean. It, it, Generally, you'd yeah. think that the, the UDID for that would still be removed from the system, but really? I don't see you, that. You, you th- we think a lot of things about these. <laughs> oh, that's right, because we were good at programming. Oh, you see, we, right. think, we think about these things, Jason. <laughs> yeah. I have been in the situation with a like a vacation rental where, 
you'll get to the property and call the rental company and they'll send out some code over the air that then unlocks right. the front door. Okay. So that's a thing and that seems to work pretty well, but that's different from an apartment building where I, I live. Yeah. Or yeah. maybe this is for slumlords who just want to be able to change the locks every time they rent out their illegal Airbnb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe. Mm-hmm. Okay, use case three. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, right. this uh, this next story uh, I put in here, this is uh, from the New York Times uh, opinion piece, Why You Can No Longer Get Lost in the Crowd. And it's really, it's an interesting look at this whole notion of obscurity. Mm-hmm. That you used to be able to get lost in a crowd. There was a certain element of privacy that you could have by uh, being in a crowd. But these days, with uh, f- things like facial recognition technology, you're not guaranteed that uh, sort of privacy from it, obscurity. Yeah, it's kind of impossible anymore these days. It, it made me think. Um, there's a there's a radio show that I listen to here in, in L.A. called Frosty, Heidi, and Frank. And Frosty is a bit of a crazy older guy with he's he's a little weird he's a weird dude and i remember he always says on the show it's like a recurring thing he's like if everything goes horribly wrong in my life if i if i screw up or whatever i can always hobo on a train i meaning he could just pack up and disappear and go to another city you can't Mm -hmm. do that anymore no you can't you can't go somewhere and just start over anymore that is gone yeah that's interesting that's interesting. License plate recognition. You can't even you, you can't get out of your parking lot without everybody knowing where your car is. Well, just just your digital footprints everywhere. I mean, short of like going and changing your name and but even then facial recognition, etc. Like you literally cannot just disappear anymore unless you like go to another country and just completely like you can't you can't hobo on a train. Mm-hmm. Well, definitely don't go to China if you're trying to disappear because those guys <laughs> know exactly where uh, you're they at. Know every if you, they know if you're breeding age or not. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting article. It sort of goes through how, uh, you know, with space and time um, and uh, even cognitive limitations for things that you used to be able to do to, to kind of mask yourself as you went about your day-to-day business that these technologies have taken away. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's something worth thinking about. Again, like I think we talked about either last week or the week before this about the Panopticon and this notion that you, you don't you don't get a break, you know, yeah. like um, I, I was thinking about um, what if like, like if you just want to go for a walk, right? You want to go for a walk in a park. Like there's a near my house. There's a lake and I like to walk around the lake. There's a pathway that goes all around the lake. I like to don't go steal for a any walk. turtles when you're at the lake. <laughs> That's Be right. Careful of those turtles. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the raccoons are open season. So I'm walking around the lake and, uh, you know, you just see people and you nod to them. And you say hello and they're strangers and so on. And maybe every now and then you run into someone you know. But what happens when everyone's wearing the future version of Google Glass and as you walking towards people, it's running your image through the facial recognition database and up pops. Oh, there's Dave Bittner. Who you he, are. He does the CyberWire podcast. He's, yeah, here are mm-hmm. his children. Here's where he lives. Here's, you know, just... Is that is that where we are headed? I I hope not. Oh, it, it absolutely. It, it absolutely, absolutely is now. <laughs> yeah. um, that's why we're here screaming about this every week <laughs> to our limited yeah. audiences saying, where are we going with this? Um, certainly that's where we're headed right now. Dave, I highly recommend you read The Age of Surveillance Capitalism <laughs> if you really want to know where we're going. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or uh, yeah. what was that that Black Mirror episode with uh, what's her face, where where they all had the social scores constantly? I was that mm-hmm. was stunning and that was terrifying. 
and yeah. it's happening. So yeah, mm-hmm. this is this is a, it, it's one of those things where it's coming. Get used to it. As Steve yeah. Rombaum used to say, privacy is dead. Get over it. <laughs> yeah. Well, this next one this is another one from the New York Times, also an opinion piece. This is their privacy project. And this is some research. Uh, it's titled, Would You Let the Police Search Your Phone? We Are Much More Likely to Give Consent Than We Think. And uh, interesting experiment that uh, they did here. Um, they wanted to see how willing people were to unlock their phones for them. Uh, and mm-hmm. they would get some folks to come into a lab. They were saying they were doing a psychology experiment. And the people who came in, they would walk up to them and they'd say, before we begin the study, can you please unlock your phone and hand it to me? I just need to take your phone outside of the room for a moment and check for some things. <laughs> now, what percentage of people do you suppose unlocked and handed over the phone? All of them. Sadly, a lot. 97%. Yep. Not in a million years would I do that. And I don't even have anything to hide. (laughs) Right. Now, here's the thing. They they also had a control group where they described this interaction where they said, if I said to you, I need you to give me your phone, unlock it, and I'm going to take it out of the room for a while, only 14% of the people thought that was Mm -hmm. a reasonable thing to do. So it's different if it's an abstract thought experiment versus I'm actually in front of somebody that I am treating as an authority figure, so I will do what the authority says to do. Right. Right. And the story goes on. I was going to say, is the person that's asking for your phone to unlock it, is he wearing a lab coat? Because Mm -hmm. you go back to the old experiments on compliance. If, Mm -hmm. If somebody's wearing a lab coat... You can basically get somebody to shock somebody to death, you know? Right. It's Respect that, my authority. It, yeah, it's the, it's the illusion of authority. That's yeah. what it is. Well, and they go on to uh, describe some traffic data where people get pulled over by a police officer. And if police ask to search their car, nearly 90% of people say yes. But if yeah, they you don't ask, really realize that you, you just assume, okay, they have the right to do that. It's a police officer. When, I know, think also you, know you, you weigh you weigh the risk of saying, well, I, there's nothing bad in my car. And if I yep. say no, that's just going to make my day even worse, because now I got to yeah. sit here while the police goes and calls the dogs and blah, 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 blah. Um, mm-hmm. But people o- only 65 percent of people thought that people would say yes. So in mm-hmm. other words, the 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 perception of how many people would say yes to the police officer is much lower than the actuality. And so there's this these are called the legal term for this is a consent search. And um, it's a whole interesting bit of study here where this social interaction, this social component, if someone comes to your door or knocks on your door, a police officer comes and says, hey, is it okay if we just come in and look around a little bit? Very few people will say, no, come back with a warrant. And it's a social hierarchy thing. Yep. Very interesting. As someone who's made that mistake in the past and let the police into his home and then was taken downtown to be fingerprinted for a rape charge that would happen to a neighbor, a, na- a rape and robbery, um, never, ever let a cop in your home. That's why, that's why I have a doormat that says come back with a warrant now. Because after <laughs> I was taken down, to the, taken down to the station and fingerprinted, I said, so what's this guy look like? He's like, oh, well, he's 5'6 and 270 pounds. I, at that point, I was six feet tall and weighed about 200 pounds, mm-hmm. not anywhere near what they were looking for. But I let him into my house. They looked around and I worked in a business where I was we were making movie posters. 
And I had a lot of movie posters, like Tomb Raider posters, that never made it into production. So they came in. They thought I was a counterfeiter. <laughs> and they said, wow. we're taking this guy with us, and then maybe we can find something on him. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, they didn't look on top of the microwave where I had a pirated copy of the new Harry Potter movie. Yeah, because <laughs> that would have put you in jail for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been bad. Yeah. But they literally looked in a box that I had that I'm just like, oh, shit. They shouldn't look in that box because I had a, a set of brass knuckle knives in there, which were a very bad thing to have, but they wanted me for the movie posters. They're like, right. Oh, you know what? We're going to, once we're in his house, we're going to see what we can get. Cause then we can get a gold star for the day. Mm-hmm. And even though I was, yeah, it's just like, Hey, we're here. Why not? Let's, let's look around. Never let any cop into your house. Never let them search your car. Don't take a breathalyzer. Just ask for a lawyer. Never let them do anything. So I can see where people who have not been through that situation think that police are good. They're my friends. They're on our side. And how the, like you said, the social hierarchy says, okay, my brain says he's a cop. He's here for my benefit. And if I'm not right, doing I've anything done nothing wrong. wrong. Yeah. 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 That's always Why the not? slippery slope, right? The I've done nothing yeah. wrong thing. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Well, they'll, they'll yeah. find something that you've done wrong. Read the book Three Felonies a Day if you don't believe that they can find something on you. <laughs> You're just uh, Mr. Librarian today, Jason, with the book recommendations. Oh, I'm telling you, man. I'm telling you. I, I am well read. He spent not... a lot of time in prison reading books. Right, exactly. exactly. He had nothing to, nothing else to do but mark the time yeah. reading books and becoming Waiting a prison Waiting for the Innocence lawyer. Project to get me out. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Oh, then they took man. my DNA and sold it on the dark web. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, to come back and, and come sort of full circle to what we were talking on earlier, this last story I have in here, uh, this is from a website called The Outline, and the story is uh, written by Casey Johnston. It's Facebook is trying to make the word private meaningless. And yep. this is in response to um, Mark Zuckerberg at Facebook's F8 conference uh, what, last week, I suppose. He said, uh, mm-hmm. the future is private. And... All of and, <laughs> and there Private was silence in the room. You yeah. and us. <laughs> Did you guys see the video of uh, when he tried to make a joke about Facebook's privacy yeah. reputation and nobody oh, laughed? Yeah. Nobody yeah, laughed. That, that joke isn't funny anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I figured they'd be smart. They'd be like, like you ever notice in an Apple keynote, there's always like somebody in the front row whose job it is to whoop and hoop and and say woohoo, yep. yeah, <laughs> like, like like they, you know, I don't know who it is, but it seems like it's the same person and Johnny cheerleading, cheering, <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. But uh, I'm surprised Zuckerberg didn't have a someone in the audience to laugh or cue a laugh track or something like that. Because <laughs> anyway, he's not it, good at it. He's no, not good no. at it. Now, an yeah. awkward moment, which he certainly has no shortage of. But um, so Facebook is attempting to pivot to privacy. And this article makes the point that it's not them being able to see the contents of what you're doing. It's the metadata that really matters. Yep. There's yep. like and you said, the before. push towards groups is going to make it even worse. It's going to make yep. it even worse in terms of data collection on us. Yep. Yep. So with all the things that they can infer about us is still going to allow them to make all the money that they make. And, uh, oh, and the even privacy more. is just an illusion. And they mm-hmm. get to cloak themselves with, with the illusion of having given us more privacy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So. Fake news. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> um, we'll see. Also, I think interesting because 
with both this and the Google story that we led off with, uh, there's a feeling that these are preemptive moves because they know the legislation is coming. Right. That's inevitable. Yep. And so there's part of this of them saying, okay, listen, before you bring the hammer down on us with legislation, look what good citizens were being. Look at all the changes we're making to to stop doing all those things that you're going to keep us from doing in the future. We're doing it on our own. We don't need to be regulated. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. We talked exactly. about this at the top of the show, and it's like the signals that they've already got. It's like, okay, well, we've got this stuff. Does it really matter anymore that we're tracking this stuff? Well, no, not really, because the profiles have already been built. We've got all the core data already. These are things that we can give up to look like we're the good guys that don't actually mean anything to our data collection endeavors. And mm -hmm. we can like look like really nice people by saying, hey, we're not going to track this anymore, whereas they just don't need it anymore because they know so much about you already that it just doesn't matter. Yeah. I guess before we go, uh, just a quick little uh, mention that uh, I'm sad today because of Peter Mayhew passing away. Uh, Chewbacca. Yes, it was sad news. We've, uh, yeah. we've lost a couple of main Star Wars people now. Sad. Yeah, I, I think it's when I mean, thinking back about uh, why he made Chewbacca special, um, you know, a, a man in a in an ape suit, basically. <laughs> <laughs> we all we all loved and, and everybody wants to hug Chewbacca. You know, everybody, yeah. if, if you see Chewbacca, you want to give Chewbacca a hug. And isn't that interesting that this space alien, this big furry space alien, somehow Peter Mayhew was able to put that personality no into him. Yeah, no yeah. lines. Uh, just <laughs> made a, a lovable character that uh, just, a, I think, a part of many of our lives. So mm -hmm. sad to see him go. Uh, the character will live on, but uh, another part of our childhood gone. So have a good week, guys. Uh <laughs> <laughs> wow, I feel bad about the future and the past now. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's Brian, right. live in the moment. Live in the moment. I'm living in the moment. <laughs> Deep breath. Mm -hmm. Yep. Ups and doodads. Well, I got my birthday present. I got an iPad Air 10.5 inch Wi-Fi 256 gigabyte space gray. Woo! It's very nice. All right. It's fast. It's a good upgrade from my I've been just using an iPad mini, so uh, all that's getting kicked down, and uh, there you go. How, how old was that iPad mini? Like It's yeah. pretty old. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty old. So, but uh, yeah, it's really fast. It's great. I've been, uh, it's forced me to kind of, I've been cleaning up my digital life again even more, um, whittling down apps, sorting everything out. Um, I've also got the Apple Pencil. First gen pencil, right? Not second gen. Yes, first gen pencil, because that's okay. the only one that works with the iPad Air. The second gen got only it. works with the Pros. Um, it, it, it's interesting. It's nice. I don't understand why it's so big and so thick going back. Cause it runs segments. forever. <laughs> it runs forever. <laughs> right. I, I would prefer it to be somewhat smaller than it is, but I've actually found it to be quite useful. Um, it's, it's great for swiping and, and just general use. So I found myself using it quite a bit, uh, not ever for drawing or writing or anything just for navigation. It's pretty good mm -hmm. for that. Check out good notes. If you need to take notes with it, cause okay. I've got great handwriting record. Yeah, the, the handwriting recognition in GoodNotes now is fantastic. So you can actually handwrite notes and then go back and search them later. And it gotcha. really works well. Excellent. And as per your recommendations, I got the ESR Rebound Slim Smart Case, specifically designed for iPad Air 3 10.5 2019 flexible TPU back cover with a rubberized coating, auto sleep, wake, and viewing typing stand for iPad Air 3rd Gen 2019 Black. Great simple case. Very streamlined. Uh, like it a lot. And cheap. And, I also, and cheap. And I also got the not cheap. Logitech iPad Pro 10.5 
inch keyboard case, slim covered with attachable backlit wireless keyboard and smart connector, black. Yes. Which works with the iPad. And I haven't used it much yet, but I think it's going to be very useful when I travel. I can see myself oh, not yes. even getting my laptop out anymore. You don't need your laptop with this. This turns your iPad into a laptop. They're fantastic. Yeah. So it's pretty cool so far. So, so far I'm pretty into it. I'm only a weekend, but uh, it all seems really great and I'm very happy with it. And yay, happy birthday for me. Um, Even though your birthday isn't for another two weeks. No, it's not for another two weeks, but you know, whatever. We're not, we're not, we're not big. We're not too big on exact dates in this household. Gotcha. <laughs> we'll have dinner that night. Um, now I've had the adaptive sound technologies, electrofan, high fidelity, white noise sound machine with 20 unique non-looping fan and white noise sounds and sleep timer for our kid for a long time. And we've had it in his room and it works great. What it is, is it's a bit clunky and big. It's great for the house. It's not good for traveling. So I found that they released a micro version, the Electrofan micro wireless sleep sound machine and Bluetooth speaker with fan sounds, white noise and ocean sounds for sleep and sound masking. This thing is tiny. It's sexy. It's cute. It fits like right on a nightstand. It's great for when we travel with a kid, but even better, my wife likes loud sounds. And when we upgraded to our Dyson um, air purifier versus the gigantic machine that we had before, it was too quiet for her. So she's using this right by on her bedside now, and it's not blowing my eardrums out. It's perfect <laughs> for her to sleep, and uh, she's going to take it with her on her trip. She's going to Nashville soon. So uh, I've been doing all the tech stuff, getting her ready for that, because once you're a tech person, you become the tech person for your whole family. So I and this one's pretty cheap, too. So if you need uh, like white noise or ocean sounds or anything like that and don't want anything too clunky, I highly recommend this micro wireless sleep machine. It's great. Well, we need to get one you know, for our trip to uh, Fireside coming up oh, in yes. September, because that was the one thing we're like right before we went to bed. We're like, we need some noise. It's, it's no too noise quiet. out here. <laughs> All you could hear are the bears sneaking up on you outside, and, uh, yes, and we ended up having to use a set in the morning. Yeah, and the Goo Goo Dolls and, and, and Coldplay. And yep, Thanks you're welcome. <laughs> you're very welcome. But we ended up having to use a fan, which, when it's forty degrees out, having a not fan the in the room was not the best idea. So, <laughs> I expect one of the one of us will have one of these in our bag when we head up to Canada again in September. Yes. And the one that I use is the Marpak Dome Classic White, White Noise Machine, 101 Night Trial and One Year Warranty. Soothing sounds from a real fan helps cancel noise while you sleep for adults and children. And I love this thing. I've had it for years. I, I just pulled it out because uh, all of my it's it's getting warm here now in Southern California. Mm -hmm. So at night I, I use this in the in the summer. I, I've had this for years. I love it because it is an actual fan. So right. it does move the air in the room and you can change the pitch and all sorts of stuff with the little twisties on it. The, th the thing that I found interesting was when I went to Amazon, the title was so long, it had a read more on the title now. <laughs> they, they actually started to add read more on the titles. Yeah, they're battling back against the gamification a little bit, although they're not because, you know, they still let you do it for search results. But at least you don't have to read all the gobbledygook, although it's become a part of our show. I like seeing all the gobbledygook. I do, too. And the hard part was trying to copy and paste the damn title, because the way they do the read more is like when I select the beginning of the title, the read more goes away. So I was just like I had to actually like look at it and type it while I while I had hovered over it. The pain in the butt. Thanks, Amazon, for ruining one of our bits. Brick -a -brick. Once again, we're back to the eggs, Jason. Are they good or are they bad? Oh, no, I actually have a I have a tip for eggs for you because you were doing the protein thing in the morning. Mm -hmm. I, I switched my diet. I have six egg whites every morning from hard boiled eggs and I've been losing weight and I feel fantastic. The farts yes. are terrible, but man, 
So anyway, let's move on. What do you have? What do you have for us? Dark mode. We were all jazzed about dark mode. We wanted our apps to have dark mode. We wanted everything to have dark mode because we wanted to protect our eyes at night when we were using our, our iPads and our computers. So the main advantage then would be they don't shine so brightly in our eyes late at night. However, according to Dr. Sam Pierce of the American Optometric Association, he lays out a case against dark mode. White text can also have a halo behind it when it's on a dark background. And in fact, white text on a black background can be too high contrast, contributing even further to the text being hard to read. But regardless of the contrast, any dark mode is going to allow your pupils to dilate. That's exactly what our eyes do in dim light, and there's nothing wrong with that on its own, but it makes it harder to focus our eyes. Ask any photographer about depth of field. As a result, the muscles in our eyes have to work harder to smoosh the eyes lens into shape, and in other words, you're more likely to get eye strain from dark mode. This is very funny that you bring this up, because I have actually turned off dark mode on everything for this very reason. (laughs) I was reading a ton of stuff for the show and reading it in dark mode, and I would also do, even if I was doing it during the day, I would look away and I would just see white lines in my periphery, like everywhere, like your eyes get focused on. It's, It's crazy. And then I noticed at night, I would get a like a terrible splitting headache in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. And then I turned off dark mode and the headache went away. Right. So I just use like for the Kindle, I use sepia mode and just turn the brightness down now. Right. Because the the black background with white text, that shit hurts. So I, I'm with <laughs> this guy. I'm yep. with him. He says dark mode's bad. And they also recommend to prevent any digital eye strain and headaches and sore eyes that can result from reading on screens of any color, they suggest you look at something 20 feet away for 20 seconds every 20 minutes. In other words, put your damn phone down. Yeah, that's a, that's been a, around for ages. That's that's definitely a thing to do. You should always do that. Don't be staring at it for more than 20 minutes. Now, I've got one. Mm-hmm. And this one is just from the shits and giggles file. <laughs> a Scientology cruise ship and hundreds of passengers have been quarantined due to, wait for it, measles. Oh, Christ. <laughs> or, or, oh, Xenu. <laughs> yeah, or Xenu. Yes, the flagship of the fleet, the Free Winds, is stuck outside of St. Lucia in the Caribbean right now because one of the the uh, crew members has the measles. And they're like, nope, you ain't getting off that ship, brother. Because <laughs> it's a very small, insulated island community, and they haven't had a real outbreak since, like, 1990. Right. Like, keep your shit to yourself. Keep your bugs on your ship. I love it. What is wrong with people? I don't know if you heard, because this is kind of hyper-local news, but uh, God, people are so stupid. Uh, An entire screening, a midnight screening of uh, Avengers Endgame um, in Fullerton, which is a little bit south here of Los Angeles, uh, they were all exposed to measles because somebody went to the fucking movie with measles. Yeah, I saw that. I just, I I couldn't put that in, but this has Scientology. And I put a video in here of a a tour of the free winds that they posted on YouTube, which is just well worth the watch. (laughs) All right. Well, let's end with something interesting and a little bit fun. Uh, Plants talk to each other using an internet of fungus. Yes. There's an information superhighway that speeds up interactions between a large, diverse population of individuals. It allows individuals who may be widely separated to communicate and help each other out. It also allows them to commit new forms of crime. We are not talking about the Internet. We are talking about fungi. Mushrooms. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. So we always just think about the big part of the mushroom, but most of their bodies are made up of massive thin threads known as mycelium. And we now know that these threads act as a kind of underground internet linking the roots of different plants. The tree in your garden is probably hooked up to a bush several feet away, thanks to the mycelia. And it also explains the Star Trek Discovery yeah, drive. I was going to say, yeah, somebody, somebody <laughs> on uh, the Discovery writing staff read this article. That uh, they will have to explain why it doesn't exist anymore in the Star Trek universe later on. But I digress. 
So this is just fascinating. I mean, they're they're all there. They're linked together in a network that can help out neighbors by sharing nutrients and information or sabotage unwelcome plants by spreading toxic chemicals through the network. The Wood Wide Web, that's they went with, has its own oh, version of cybercrime. <laughs> pretty cool stuff. Should it make you vegetarians cool. a little less haughty. Yeah, seriously. Oh, I like to go mushroom hunting. Well, you're you're breaking you're, the Wood you're, Wide you're Web. Killing the Wood Wide Web, people. A uh, big shout out to a friend of the show, Andy Stochansky, who also wrote our outro music. He has a brand new single and a new project called White Elephant Orchestra. And the first single, Revolution Superstar, is out now on the Tube of the U. So we have the link in the show notes. Check it out and give it a listen. And congrats, Andy. Full album coming soon. Excellent. Excellent. Love that guy. Nice guy. Met mm-hmm. him once at our at our meetup. He's mm-hmm. very nice. Um, and I got a shout out to Fireside, the conference up in Canada that we talked about a little bit earlier in the show. They finally put up their 2018 recap movie. Sadly, we're not in it, but (laughs) (laughs) uh, it's a good recap. And we're going to be talking about them a lot in the coming months because we're going back and we're going to be doing another show. All right. Hopefully that's going to be the plan. And uh, we're in preliminary talks now. We might actually have some giveaways here on the show for maybe bring a fan with us to Fireside, which would be kind of cool. How exciting. Just don't put them in our bunk. No, no, you're. No, you are not, you are not sleeping with me, buddy. Sorry, you, you don't want to sleep with Jason with his current egg diet, anyway. Oh no, you until don't. next time. <laughs> until next time, I'm Brian Schulmeister, and I'm Jason DeFilippo. Thanks for listening to Grumpy Old Geeks. To support the show and keep us on the air, go to Patreon.com/slash/GOG. Toss us a buck a month, and we'll love you forever. If you'd like to give a one-time or recurring donation, go to GOG.show and click the PayPal button in the sidebar. Show notes for this episode are at GOG.show/slash three four two. From there, you can find links to old episodes, leave feedback, ask questions, and get links to stuff we like. Stay grumpy.